And uh, we're going to continue to talk about faith. This is the last Sunday of what we have called Faith February. And uh, it just so happened it uh, fell at an opportune time. Uh, We are receiving our faith promise cards at the end of service today. But we had begun the year in January talking about fasting and just speaking to you out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, where Jesus said that if you would do three things in secret, that God would reward you openly. And so in January, one of those three things he said in Matthew chapter 6 was that if you would fast, in fact, it doesn't really say if you fast, it says when you fast. It was something that was considered to be a thing that we would do. It's just something we do as Christians is fast. And so he said, when you fast, if you would do this in secret, your God would reward you openly. He also said, uh, when you pray. And so in March, starting next Sunday, I'm going to be teaching on different aspects of praying. And I, I want you to know right now, you're saying, well, I know about prayer. I know a lot of, of what is entailed with praying. Can I just say what what goes through my mind and what I seek God on when I'm doing these things is, Lord, give me give me some nugget of revelation to give to the people so that life can come into this thing again. And so the Lord's just been showing me some things about praying. I don't know, you may know it already, you may not, but I believe it'll bring life to you. And so March will be a month we'll talk about prayer. And so Jesus said, when you pray, don't be as the hypocrites, but as you do this, even in secret, your God will reward you openly. And then that third thing is what we have dealt with here in the month of February. He said that if you would do a charitable act or if you would give, if you would do this thing even in secret, then your God would reward you openly. And so I haven't taken the whole month per se talking about giving, but I've been talking about faith because faith is so closely linked to our giving. And I just believe that if 2009 is going to be our year to see God do something miraculous, incredible, and supernatural, then it seems to me that we need to obey what our Lord taught us to do when we fast, when we pray, and when we give. And so uh, we want to do that in order to get the first quarter up and going, and and I'm just expecting a, a great 2009. Now, we all know that people have always been rather sensitive whenever it comes to uh, talking about money. Now, if you're a guest with us today, I'm just, I'll assure you that I don't talk about this all the time. In fact, just ask anybody who's been here uh, any length of time. Yes, I do talk about it on occasion, but it's not something I talk about all the time. I do have to talk about it this morning because of all the things that are before us. And so it, it fits with regards to our project, but it fits within the context of faith and what we need to be doing with regards to walking by faith. And I realize that money can be a real sensitive topic. And uh, when you're trying to update the ministry, and we've been doing that, we've been working in the kids' area trying to update the ministry. We're trying to build a church and complete the project out there south of the city. I I guarantee you there's going to be ample opportunity. If you journey with us, there's going to be ample opportunity for me to touch your sensitivities in the area of finance. Because it's just kind of that season. But I ask you right now to be open to letting God speak to you in this area. I believe that the steps of the righteous are ordered, don't you? 
And, 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 and I'll just tell you right now, if, if there was a subject that I'd just like to let go, I, this would probably be one of them. But I want you to know that, that money is such a big part of all of our lives. Last time I looked, SCE&G still wanted me to pay my electric bill. And uh, I think it's countrywide has my home mortgage. They still enjoy receiving my mortgage payment every month. Just this weekend, we went to the grocery store, spent an exorbitant amount of money going to the grocery store. And lo and behold, they really like me swiping my debit card when I go through the checkout line, when I get my groceries, when I go get my fuel for my automobile or make the car payment or whatever it is in life. Do you know we spend a lot of life circling around our finances at some level or another? And so understand that, that God is a part of all of our life and he's a part of this life. And, and my job is not to try to leverage you to get all I can, but my job is to teach you certain precepts so that God can get involved in that area of your life. Because he wants you to be blessed, he wants you to prosper, and hopefully we can teach you some things uh, that'll help you receive that in this particular area. And so as we finish up Faith February... I entitled what I want to talk about this morning, Faith Must Have a Corresponding Action. Faith Must Have a Corresponding Action. Now, believe it or not, I'm going to read out the Old Testament. So go to 1 Kings. Take just a moment. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you did not bring a Bible with you, our guys are real good back there about flashing those verses up on the screen so you'll be able to follow along. But if you have your Bible, I believe it's good just to use it. First Kings chapter 17. I've touched on this story before, but I want to teach from it a little bit today. Beginning with verse 8. First Kings 17 verse 8. Faith must have a corresponding action. It says, The word of the Lord came to him, meaning Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, this is really kind of funny because he said, hey, as long as you're getting a drink, I could really use a cinnamon roll with this. So. He said, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, that's a real positive outlook right there. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. He was on this cinnamon roll here. Bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. Interesting. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for, what does that say there? 
Say it again. Many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Faith must have a corresponding action. Now, before I talk a little bit more about this story we find in 1 Kings, I do want to make some general comments, really by way of reminder, of some things that we've already thrown out there to you with regards to faith. Let me just say this. Number one, faith is how we are to live our Christian life. The Bible says on more than one occasion, it says that the just shall live by faith. We're not to live by our reasoning. In fact, some folks have said, well, well, I know, I know that uh, the, Bible, the Bible doesn't uh, toss out reason. It doesn't toss out common sense. And you're right. In fact, Isaiah said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash them and make them as white as snow. I always say this, that you can only reason righteously when your mind has been transformed and renewed by the word of God. See, getting saved isn't reasonable either. Now, once you're saved, it's amazing how many things become reasonable. You see, the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. But to those of you who do believe, the cross makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Sure it does. It's reasonable. So you've got to understand that reason has its place, but it only has a place with regards to a transformed, renewed mind. And, and so the Bible tells us within the transformed, renewed mind, it says you must remember that the just shall live by faith. So you're not going to live by the same natural logic and the same natural understanding that the natural man or the world lives by. You have been called, if you've been born again and born into the kingdom, you have been born into a faith walk. And there are certain things you're just going to have to trust God with and on as you journey with him through your life. So that's number one. Number two is, faith still requires our obedience. What do I mean by that? I mean this, that for many people to use the word faith, well, let me give you an example. For instance, um, you can watch television and they'll be interviewing people it could be any one of a number of shows and and they'll they'll ask this question uh you know uh, tell us about yourself or 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 you know are you a, do you have do you are you a person of faith and they'll give a response oh i'm a very spiritual person well that's great i don't know what that means but that's great and for many people when you use the term faith or spiritual it becomes sort of this nebulous ethereal, misty, I'm spiritual. No, that, you're flaky. You've defined spiritual wrongly. I don't know what spiritual means oftentimes. I guess it means that they know there's another aspect than just the natural. I don't know. But I say that because for many, many people, you'll look at them and you'll say, do you believe? Do you have faith? And remember what the Bible says. The Bible says that the devils believe. I mean, Satan believes. Satan doesn't have a faith problem. Satan has an obedience problem. So you need to understand that I, I'm not going to question your belief system necessarily. I'm just simply saying that faith also requires obedience. You, you can't say you have, have faith and not still be obedient in what it is that God has asked of us to do. In fact, our obedience oftentimes is walking in faith. So that's an important thing I just wanted to make sure was underscored. And then finally, number three, 
Faith without works, the Bible says, is dead. That's in James 2.17. Faith without works is dead. Now I want to stop here and talk just a moment about works and I'll get to the widow. I will not forget the widow. Unfortunately, in our era, in this, this current Christian era you and I are living in, a misconception has developed about what works is really all about. Now, most of you may be aware, if you just had History 101, that one of the most notable events, whether it's church history or secular history, that ever took place was in 1517, Martin Luther had finally gotten fed up with all the corruptions he saw with that, the, 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 the current Catholic church of his era. He got fed up with the relic abuses. He got fed up with indulgences. He got fed up with the way people were being hammered in order to raise money. In fact, it's interesting because the whole thing was birthed out of John Tetzel trying to raise money for the new basilica that was going up in Rome. And he would go around from town to town and he would put on these incredible shows just to fear the people into giving more money in order to build the basilica. And the famous phrase from Tetzel, which was kind of like the marketing, marketing phrase of that era was, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. And what they would do is they would literally pay, they thought, in order to spring their relatives out of this place called purgatory, where, where people were being purged of certain sins that they didn't get rid of while they were in life. And so they could pay and buy these indulgences and that would spring them out of this place and get them into heaven. Well, Luther saw all that was going on. He saw the corruptions that were taking place. He, he, he saw all of this. He posts his 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg church, which was like posting it on the internet. That was like the, the door of the Wittenberg church was like, like a major blog that everybody could read. And, and those 95 points, which were all abuses that were taking place by the Catholic Church at that particular time, it just, it was disseminated like never before. And all of this is getting disseminated and Luther got this revelation and it was a good revelation and it was a God revelation and the Lord spoke to him. And basically it was this, that you don't have to pay your way out of purgatory. In fact, he said, you were saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man would boast. So in other words, it's not what you did. It's not how you lived. It's not what you necessarily were good or not good enough to do that merited God's relationship with you. But he said, it's simply and purely an act of grace. It's just a free gift that God gives for those who turned their life over to Jesus Christ. And so, so from that point on, there was this thing that started that was, that was good teaching, which was we don't believe in works righteousness. In other words, you can't work your way to salvation. You can't, you can't be good enough. Nobody's good enough. In that, I would think that was good news. Nobody's good enough to get saved. Hear me now. I don't care how many good works you do. It still won't merit a relationship with God because that's not the key to a relationship with God. The key to a relationship with God is receiving the sacrifice that he made through Jesus Christ into your life and turning from those sins. And as you turn from those sins and receive Jesus in your life, at that moment, the free gift of God is salvation. 
And so we don't work for it. And works righteousness is something, as Protestants, we just don't teach and we just don't preach. So uh, as I began to look at this, and as the Protestant church, kind of our lineage, begins to grow and begins to learn and begins to move from 1517, I began to see that, that all through church history, that people get, listen to me, people can get a revelation, but that doesn't mean they get all the revelation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Luther got a revelation, no doubt, but he didn't get it all. In fact, God doesn't give it all to any one person. That's why the Bible says line upon line, order upon order, precept upon precept. He begins to reveal and he begins to build upon revelation that he has released in the earth. Now, let's come up to 2009 and let's talk about where we are today. We live in a time period of the church where we think we aren't responsible for what we do. We live in an era where we feel like we don't have to do anything to have God move in our life. And anytime somebody looks at us and begins to talk about obedience or when someone talks to us uh, about um, uh, being faithful or when someone talks to us just about adhering to what God has asked of us in the word of God, we instantly begin to hear people say, oh, you're talking about works righteousness or worse. They'll go, that's just legalism. No, it's not. It's not works righteousness and it's not legalism. Now, I may not be able to work my way into a relationship with God, but if I'm in a relationship with God, there is certainly an obedience that begins to flow through my life as a response to that relationship. So when I'm looking at people who aren't being obedient and they aren't following the commands of the Lord and they aren't doing these things, then all you can, and then they say, but I love the Lord, but they love the Lord. Really? Jesus said, if you love me, you would do what I commanded you. See, the Bible will mess you up every time. So I'm not, again, I'm not any man's judge. I'm just trying to live by the book. And and the the key to all of this is, is is that what happened is we've taken a truth and we've twisted it in order to make us somehow feel better about our own disobedience. Well, you can't merit salvation. You can't work for it. There's no sin that can really steal it from you. So what we do is we just go, we just go live lawless. But we love the Lord. Man, God's got to be up on the throne going. (laughs) (laughs) Works. Let me give you the the best translation of works is this corresponding action corresponding action there must be some kind of action for faith to be faith are you with me there there has to you 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 can't say i have well i have faith but nothing in your life demonstrates faith going on inside of you now I, i can prove this very easily i don't have time to read to you all of hebrews chapter 11 but you may want to write this down and i'm just going to walk through this Super fast. Every single person. He starts out, the writer of Hebrews starts out in verse 4 with Abel. And he talks about Cain and Abel bringing their sacrifices before the Lord. And he says, by faith, they brought these sacrifices before the Lord. There was a corresponding action that they entered into in order to demonstrate their faith. They brought these sacrifices. It says, um, I'm just going down here, Noah, Noah, by faith, built an ark. 
He heard the Lord say, build an ark. He could stand there forever saying, well, I believe God told me to build an ark. But it would not have been faith unless Noah would have stepped into going to get the wood, going to get the nails, going to get everything he was going to need in order to build the ark. Abraham, by faith, it said, in order to receive an inheritance, had to go to a land that he knew not, not knowing where he was going. So it wasn't enough for Abraham just to hear God's voice by faith and say, God's got a promise for me. Hallelujah, God's got a promise for me. I'm just going to stay here until it manifests. No, it said that he had to move to a place that he knew not, really not knowing where he was going. There was a corresponding action. Are you following this? Now, I, I hope I don't have to read all through Hebrews chapter 11 for you. I've got so much I want to say. But you believe me if I were to keep going down through here. That by faith, over and over again, by faith, by faith, by faith, each and every one, you will see by faith, did something in order to demonstrate that which they were convinced of that God had put in their heart. That is what it means when James said, faith without works is dead. He wasn't meaning that you had to work your way to a relationship with God. He's just simply saying this. If you say that you believe God, if you love the Lord, if you're walking by faith, if your belief system's in order, then what James is saying is this. There should be a corresponding action. There should be some level of response that is taking place in your life. Jesus called this fruit. There should be some corresponding action that demonstrates that unseen reality that's going on right now in your heart. Can I just share, just give you personal testimony. In our life, the Baird household, whenever there's been a moment that God has moved supernaturally or miraculously, and I'm not talking just about your finances, I'm talking about anything from healing to uh, open doors to new seasons, whatever the case may be, there has always been an act, a corresponding act of obedience that demonstrated the unseen reality of faith that was going on in our heart and life. I, I, I mean, there's just almost too numerous to begin to mention. You've heard thousands of those stories already. I'm belaboring the point because today in the American church, I'm just telling you, we all have a lot of believers. In fact, uh, Barna and Gallup and other uh, demographers and uh, other organizations that do uh, polls and they'll ask people about their belief in God. And, and you're hearing numbers up to 80% of Americans say they believe in God. 80% of Americans. Can you imagine? 80% of Americans say they believe in God, and yet all you have to do is look at our current culture, and I'm telling you, there is something not right. Something's not right. So, so corresponding action. Now, let's get back to the widow here, can we? Back to 1 Kings 17. This passage that I read to you about Elijah going to this widow and soliciting from her her last little bit of oil and flour... As I was reading this again, I thought to myself, how if this story could somehow come forward to February the 22nd, 2009, I believe that the media of our era would have a field day with this particular story. Can you see the headlines? 
It'd be on the AOL page or the Comcast page, whatever your home page is. It would flash up right there, right away. Poor starving widow gives last bit of food to greedy preacher. You know I'm telling you the truth now, don't you? Sure, Elijah was well known. Come on now. Poor starving widow gives last bit of food to greedy preacher. Now, folks, I'll be the first one to say to you, and I'm going to say it out loud because we believe in truth in advertising here at Legacy. Yep, yep, there have been greedy, manipulative ministers and ministries who have unrighteously scammed money from poor, innocent people. Y'all feel better now that I said it? It's true. It has happened. It is absolutely true. It goes on. And you know what? It has happened since the beginning of the church. And it will happen till Jesus comes again. I'll just tell you this. You get to Elisha, and if I were to teach on Gehazi, Gehazi was a servant of the Lord, and he was manipulating people for money. So it's in the Bible as well. But here's the key. You have to make a decision. Will you let a few counterfeit prophets and preachers steal from you the possibility of seeing God work a miracle in your life. You can get cynical, but folks, cynicism won't get you blessed. And cynicism won't get God to move in your life. Skepticism is not something that God moves through. And you can be cynical and you can be skeptical and you will stay right where you are. I understand there are people wanting to steal from you and take advantage of you. Can I just say I've been taken advantage of. I don't like it, but here's the deal. I learned a long time ago when I release my finances, I'm not releasing it to a person. See, so I don't know what that person may do or not do with what I release to him. But if I'm releasing it as under the Lord, then I'm in safe hands. I want you to get this. The context of the passage is a drought. In other words, it's a bad economy. So here's a a poor, starving widow in the midst of a bad economy, a drought. This drought had lasted for some time now. And so what it appears to us is as if Elijah is saying to this poor, starving widow in a bad economy... What it appears like he's saying is, put me first. I, I mean, you can, you want, can you say that? Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks as if Elijah is saying, put me first. I mean, how arrogant does that look? But really, what Elijah was saying was this. He was saying, because the word of the Lord is involved here, he was saying, will you put God first? Will you seek first the things of the kingdom? Will you put corresponding action To the faith promises that I'm giving to you. That God will not let your flour bin or your oil jar run dry. How about it? This is what he's looking at this widow and asking. Whose economy are you really in? And as we see in this account, she decides to release her last little bit. And God miraculously comes through. You know, there comes a moment that you got to look at your last $5 bill. And ask yourself this question. Is this really going to sustain me for the rest of my life? Or would it be better off in God's hands? Because that's exactly where they were. 
Now, how did it all unfold? Well, let me just go through this, and I won't belabor the point, but I think there are a couple good things we can pull out here. How did this miraculous provision unfold? The first thing is this. Now, again, whether or not this speaks to you for what we're doing here, that, that's going to be between you and the Holy Ghost. But, but I'm just sharing something with you that should go with you the rest of your life. If you'll get some of these precepts under your belt, this will serve you well for the rest of your life. Number one, this is what happened. A man of God had the word of the Lord. A man of God had the word of the Lord. Romans ten seventeen says this. It says that faith, you know this, faith comes by how? Say it again. Faith comes by? One more time. Faith comes by? And then it says, and hearing by the? And hearing by the? So, Romans ten seventeen. you've got it memorized right now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it's interesting that that particular verse, when Paul says that, uh, is, is an outgrowth of a question that he asks two verses earlier. And, and the question he asks two verses earlier is this, how will they hear? How will they hear? If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, how will they hear? And Paul says it, how be it that they hear unless there is a preacher? There's got to be a proclaimer. There's got to be a declarer. And the biblical truth is that what looks to be, to the natural skeptical eye, a self-interested preacher who's coming to get the last little bit you got is actually somebody who's declaring the word of God and your choice is going to be, do I believe that and enter it into the supernatural or do I blow it off and miss the miraculous? In America, we have been conditioned, listen to me now, in America, we've been conditioned to release our money strictly on the basis of need. Now, we've been conditioned, and a lot of times in the church. In fact, I've oftentimes said this. I've said, you know, if you present a need to the people, they'll respond. Because we've been conditioned to see need, need, needs met. And so we respond on the basis of need. So if we hear maybe that the hungry need to be fed, that's a need. And so we'll respond to that need. Maybe uh, we're building a church and, and we see that as a need. We'll respond to the need. Sometimes people will come and maybe another ministry even. Then they'll talk about how they're traveling and, and they're reaching lost people or they're doing things that are helping people and we see the need. And so we will release our money to meet the need. And all of these things, listen, are worthy and they are biblical. But God, listen, God has chosen to respond supernaturally Not when we give according to the need, but when we give according to faith. Are you with me? That's really, really important because if you give just on the basis of need, then I don't know that you got supernatural activity happening there. Happening there. I'm not saying it's not worthy to be done that way, but even in even in the need, I'd give by faith. Says here in Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews 11, 6, I'm just going to read what the Bible says. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we've got to understand that God responds and rewards when we move in faith. Now, I can present need, believe me, I can generate more need than you could ever begin to meet. But, but here's, the, here's the precept. The precept isn't that, that pastors just throwing needs out to us. And we've got a lot of them. But, but I need to solicit your faith. Yes. 
Get your faith involved in it. Don't just look at your bank account and say, well, it's a worthy need and I've got a little extra money and so I'll just give a little extra money and, and, and it'll meet a need and you'll feel good about yourself and it will help meet a need. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That may be a good thing. In fact, it probably is a good thing. But I want God to do miraculous things with me. And I'm suggesting to you, instead of just hearing the need, that you say, Lord, what do I need to do to step in faith and get miracle things happening in my life? That's where we need to be. So, hear the word of the Lord. Number two, the widow had to stop listening to the natural perspective. This widow in our account had to just quit listening. There came a moment she had to quit listening to all the other natural stuff around her. Years ago, I believe it was uh, Jack Frost who originally shared this. He met an older saint, I believe it was a lady, and... uh, they were talking about faith, and uh, I picked up on this acrostic uh, with faith, but I believe I heard it from him first. Basically, the acrostic faith means forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. Faith. Now, this widow is in a dire economic situation is that not true i mean it doesn't get much more dire than this you're in a drought your husband's dead your widow you've got no breadwinner in the household you've got just a little bit left in the pantry um you're you're a single mom no one apparently was willing to help her by way of feeding her so her only option was to prepare the last meal and then prepare to die and so when elijah shows up He's the only one who can really help her. But she has to choose as to whether she is going to keep listening to her senses or whether she's going to listen to her spirit. You know what I find really interesting? That when people read this passage, and I read it too. I did the same exact thing I think as most people would as they read this. The first thing I saw was here's Elijah, this greedy prophet or this self-consumed this self-consumed preacher minister getting the last little bit of this poor uh, uh, you know, widow who just is at, at, at her wit's end. And, and it's so easy to be critical of Elijah for soliciting her last meal. But have you ever thought about this? How come nobody's critical of all her neighbors for just willing to let their neighbor lady die? Isn't that interesting? You ever thought of that? What about everybody else that lived in town? What about everyone else that lived around her? Why isn't that anybody ever teaches that out of this passage? Where's everybody else? I mean, old greedy preacher shows up. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll put that. We'll put that on AOL. But nobody talks about what about all these other people that are around her that were just going to let her die. You know why that is? It's because the enemy has just used something in you and me, and it's called locking our senses into the reason realm to keep us away from a miracle moment. He doesn't want us to see all the other dynamics going on. He just wants us to see the one dynamic that can get us out of our problem. It's the one who brings the answer through faith. And she had to quit listening to all that natural perspective. She had to quit it. Number three, she was at a place of faith. Her faith was at the place she could do this. Her faith was at the place she could do this. The widow had one giant thing going for her as I began to read this story. She had nothing to lose. 
She had zero to lose. I mean, it was her last meal. She said it out of her own mouth. We just have a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. We're going to fix it up, make a little cake. And after we eat that, we're just going to sit around and now it's time to die. So you understand that the only thing she was gaining was a few more hours before what she considered to be the inevitable thing of dying was going to show up. Really, people who have nothing to lose are really the ones in the best position to act in faith. You got nothing to lose. That's why young people oftentimes see more miracles than their parents and older people. It's because they got nothing to lose. What are they going to lose? I mean, they don't own their own house. Maybe they own their own car. Maybe. I, I, I mean, everything in their life is just practically maintained for them. I mean, what are they going to lose? They got nothing to lose. The, the biggest thing they can their iPod, that's the biggest thing they could lose. But that's why God does things in them, because they got zero to lose. The greatest miracles, I was thinking about this, Trace, the greatest miracles you and I ever saw in our life, when, when we were in debt, We were living on the edge. We didn't know where our next meal was coming from. We were living in poverty. We were going, we weren't even going paycheck to paycheck because the paycheck didn't cover it all. We had nothing to lose. I mean, what were you going to take away from me? My rented house? I was already living with her parents. I mean, what are you going to take away? You got nothing to lose. That's why God uses ordinary people. Who don't really have much. Why is it that God has always built his work and his things on just everyday ordinary people? It's because most of them look at their life and say, well, really, what have I got to lose to trust God? I just got a little bit left. It ain't going to make that much difference whether I give it away or not. And that's who God uses. That's why the widow with that little bitty might, when she gave it and Jesus saw it, he said she has done more than all these other big buck people. If you've got a billion dollars to your name and you stroke off a million dollar check, do you understand you hadn't tithed yet? The wealthy sometimes have too much to lose to really act in faith. If I did that, I could lose. I'll never forget... And some of you will remember, in the year 1999, as we were moving to the year 2000, you remember Y2K? You would not believe how my phone rang. Especially those last four or five months before the turn of the millennium. Now, it was interesting who was calling me. No no, no middle-income people were calling me. All the wealthy people were calling me saying, what are you hearing God say? Should I put my money in gold? What should I do? I mean, where should I move it? I mean, what's God doing? I mean, I mean, they were just, they were spazzing. I, I, one guy, I really did. I said this on the phone. I said, I tell you what y'all didn't do with it. You ought to put it where rust and moth doth not corrupt. I mean, really, if you believe this whole thing's going to collapse anyway, why don't you just go ahead and invest in eternal things? I'll pray about it. I bet you will. You see, you see, you got to reach the place where you, you are totally trusting God in your life. Now, I, I'll be the first to say to you, some people get excited and they act beyond their faith. That's why I mean her faith was at the place she could do this. 
There are many people who, who are trying to walk in faith. But the key is, is that they get excited. I call it excited faith. And they kind of step into a realm that they really weren't prepared to step into. That is why it is so important right now for you to begin to exercise your faith muscles. Because if the day comes, and God forbid it would ever come for you. But if the day comes when you get a report, let's say, from a doctor that says you are facing a terminal disease and this is a life and death issue, and you're going to have to stand and believe for your healing, then you're going to have to have your faith to the place where you can step into that. And you better know what you believe at that point. Come on now, you can't trust for great and mighty things if you're having a difficulty trusting with that little bitty buck or two that you don't want to let go of. You better start trusting God now with the small things if you ever want to see the great things come to pass in your life. I'll never forget years ago, I I, I knew uh, we would travel to churches. I knew a pastor was in North Carolina. And I got to be careful I won't use names because I know more and more people are listening to the iPod, you know, the, uh, the iTunes, excuse me, the iTunes site. And so you never know who's listening in. But, but. This pastor's secretary had contracted a breast cancer. And she was just convinced that God was going to heal her. And so she opted for nothing. She did nothing. She did absolutely zero. And to make a long story short, as she said she was standing in faith, she ultimately passed away and died. In fact, uh, we found out later that if she just would have gone in for some things right up front, it probably could have been easily and confidently addressed. And people started to ask, they said, well, where was God? Where was God in all of that? Well, the problem was, and bless her heart, we can love her, but you've got to evaluate where your faith is at. And maybe it was God revealing to you early what's going on in your body so that you can get the help from a doctor. Because let me just tell you this, a doctor is not working against the will of God. It is God's will to heal. And anything that's bringing healing, my direction, I believe is from the hand of God. Devil don't want you healed. But you better know where you're at with regards to your faith. And it's a balancing act. And so the last thing we want is to push somebody beyond their level of faith development. But at the same time, how are you going to develop your faith unless you start to extend it into new territory? Her faith was at the place she could do this. Number four, she abandoned her fear. She abandoned her fear. I've said, I've taught this before, fear and faith. Fear and faith, they're basically the same forces going on inside of you. One is solicited and used by the enemy. The other is solicited and used by God. Fear and faith, they're both the same exact force. And listen to me, they cannot exist together long. One of these will eventually come forth and exercise dominion. Fear is the belief in your current situation. It will come to pass. Uh, Fear is when you meditate on all the possibilities. Fear is when you meditate and you speculate at all the terrible outcomes. And fear is, is that thing inside of you that just gets all stirred up that somehow or another what you're facing in the natural is going to overtake you and overpower you. The other one, faith, is a belief in God's word to come to pass. You believe that what his word says is true. That what you see is subject to change. That the things around you are not necessarily eternal. In fact, they are temporal. And that God's word will forever be true and every man will be a liar. And so when you meditate on fear, it will produce worry and anxiety. 
But when you meditate in faith, it produces joy and peace. And you've got to determine right now whether you're going to live in fear or whether you will abandon it and begin to believe God and walk in faith. Elijah said to her, he said to this widow, he said, do not fear. Do not fear. And she embraced that. I'm telling you again, you can write me off. You don't have to believe me. I can't force you to believe me. Don't fear. It's time to let our fears go. Step into a season of faith. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just an old 60s Star Trek fan. Every now and then I'll just embarrass my wife when I go into the grocery store. She knows what I'm going to say here. Take my wallet out. Beam me up. What's funny is, is the checkers are just, they're, 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 they're so young, they don't even know what you're doing. I mean, they just, they're whatever, they're just. But you know, the, at the beginning of the show, you'd hear the music and you'd hear the voice of Captain Kirk space the final frontier. And they would go through the whole, the whole thing. I could probably say it all to you. I didn't write it all down, but I probably haven't memorized, having heard it so many times. I've seen every Star Trek episode several times. Live long and prosper. <laughs> now, I didn't get into the others. You gotta, I didn't get into the other stuff. I, I felt all that stuff was just, you know, the other with, with Captain Picard. I mean, I just, I didn't, that didn't trip my switch. But Captain Kirk was cool. But at the end, what they said was this, that Star Trek, to boldly listen, to boldly go. Where? See, you're Star Trek fans too, man. See. Come on, faith, listen to me, that fourth dimension. It's the final frontier. It is for the church because we've not been there. We've got to boldly go where no man has gone before. And someone has to abandon their fear. We've got to get that adventurous spirit again. We've got to look at life as an adventure. You know, if Jesus comes and, and takes us home, praise God. You know, if, if, if I live life and I die by, by natural means, God takes me by that way because the shell of a body is going to wear out one of these days and I get to go to heaven, praise God for that. But do you realize that's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you understand? You win. I mean, let's just say, let's just say my confession, and I believe my confession to be true. Let's just say I'm preaching the gospel, you know, into my 90s. And there I am in my 90s preaching the gospel, and my body finally wears out, and it finally goes however it goes, and it goes, and I'm, and I'm gone. Let's just say that's the scenario. If that's what takes place. You know, that's going to be 50 years from now. I'm 49 years old. So if I'm going to live into my 90s, I'm just going to declare 99. That's 50 years from now. I want you to understand this. I may have debt collectors on me. I may not have the best job. I may be frustrated in life on occasion. I may have some bad things come my way. I may have some injustices and unfairnesses. And I may face a whole lot of things in that 50 years. But in 50 years, it's over. It is over. And for all eternity... 
That which I have invested where moth and rust doth not corrupt. Everything that I have done for the kingdom. Every sacrifice. Every step of faith. Every act of obedience that I have done for the kingdom. Fifty years. I know to our natural mind and senses that seems like such a long time. But I'm here to tell you, 50 years, I'm almost 50 years old right now. And I'm saying, where did the time go? Another 50 years, I can only imagine how swiftly that will go by. But there will come a day, no matter what I face, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's all been terrible. In 50 years, it is over. And for the rest of eternity... Glory to God. It doesn't get any better than what we're fixing to walk into. I can't let go of that. That $5 bill, Pastor. Well, you go ahead and keep it. Let's see if that $5 carries you the next 50 years. I mean, you reach a point when you go, just a little flour, a little oil. I might as well give it away. I mean, just, I, I, I'm dying anyway. It's just going to move up my death date 12 hours. All I'm doing is avoiding 12 more hours. You got to abandon your fear. We're fear. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? When I, when I retire, what am I going to do? I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. I'm not going to, I, I have no, I mean, I'm, see, I'm not living for myself. The Bible doesn't say just live for yourself. The Bible says that we're to live for the glory of God. Your question shouldn't be what happens when you retire. Your question should be what happens when you quit that job. Because you got another one in the kingdom coming. Yes, you do. We, we are commanded that we're to walk out the purposes of God till our last dying breath or Jesus comes to take us home. You got to abandon your fears. I'm not saying they're not real. I know they're real. I look at things and there are moments that I get seized with certain fears, but there comes a moment you've got to abandon your fears and say, you know what? I'm just going to keep trusting him because one of these days it's all done and I win. I win. I figure, Lord, if you're feeding billions of people right now who don't know where their next meal's coming from. I mean, bless Tracy's heart. She cleaned out our pantry the other day. She decided she was going to organize the pantry. Sweet Jesus. There was more. We started taking out old food. Started taking out old box goods. Started finding things we didn't even know was up there. Anybody have a pantry like that? I mean, you, I mean, you got things up there. They, they, they've been up there a decade right now. They're, they're, and, I'm, and there are people on the earth who don't know where their next meal's coming from. And we could live a decade on what is in our pantry. And yet we fear. Come on, man. You still got beans in there? Come on. Come on now. You know, you know it's in there. Man, we found all kinds of things. You're going to be okay. You're okay. You'll be fine. Got to abandon your fear. Number five. She believed and had a corresponding action. The bottom line is this. Faith without corresponding action is dead. Desperate situations can at times demand desperate faith. 
And she gave her last little bit, and God opened up a pipeline. She sowed flour and oil. Whatever a man soweth, her flour can never emptied, and her oil jar never ran dry. Now, you can walk out this morning, and that can be a cute little story for you. Or you can determine that this morning that that's your rhema word. You can walk out of here and say, yeah, that's a good story. That kind of encourages me. And, and it's just kind of one more little spiritual tingle. Or you can hear what I'm saying and you can get that down in your spirit. And, and, and it could be your rock. That word. That revelation. That God will move on for you. The Lord spoke to me some time ago, and I've mentioned this on a couple different occasions, about how I believed that his house, this building that we're looking at, would be built by faith. I don't know that all that that may mean. It could mean any one of, I could probably throw out a dozen different scenarios. But I know, I know several things in the natural. I know in the natural that lending opportunities have dried up, at least for now. The economic time we are living in certainly could be compared to a drought-like time period. The permitting process has been incredibly challenging. I know that on April the 30th, our uh, note with First Federal, which we believed, and uh, they did too, everybody believed, over a year a little more than a year ago now, would be enveloped or rolled over into a construction loan. Probably isn't going to come to pass like we had hoped. And so, you know, there's a $50,000 payment that will be due at the end of April. There are ways that can be addressed, but, you know, I'm just wondering if God's just trying to teach us some things and believe Him for some things. We're needing desperately to do some updating because I held off all sorts of updating for the last almost two years because I, I just figured we aren't going to be here this long and, and and so why spend money on things that that perhaps you could spend at another location but now that's not going to just shake out like I thought it would shake out in the in the natural and so and so we can no longer hold our kids off our kids deserve they deserve excellent ministry and all those things and uh, I can stand here and I can present the need to you. And as I said before, it would all be worthy need, in my opinion. But I believe God is asking me as a shepherd to speak faith to you. I, I don't want to challenge you to meet a need. I want to challenge you to respond in faith. To really loose his ability in your life and in our life. I uh, had these put on the seats this morning, and um, I, I hope you've been praying about this. I think we've been mentioning this now for maybe a couple months. I don't know how long, but I know it's been mentioned on occasion. I've tried not to just push, 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 but that day has arrived, and uh, last year we did great, um, but you'll also know that while it was the greatest financial year ever in Legacy's history, you, you see every week on the screen that that the project expenses now have reached almost $170,000, which are all legitimate expenses. Uh, we raised over and above the tithe about $105,000.
I'm grateful that God provided through tithes and offerings and within the budget, the money's to take care of that uh, $65,000 spread there. So all our bills are paid. The ship's not sinking. Everything's going good. But we're reaching the place now where we're in the middle of what we're doing. And if we can cut a tree or two down, it's always easier to say, look, we're moving. But right now, we're going to have to continue to believe God and act in faith. And so we're going to have to do in 2009 at least what we did in 2008. And to be candid with you, I believe we could probably do more. I believe we've come to, come to the moment where God's just working on us and dealing with us. And we're going to be ask ourselves, what do I need to do in order to move by faith? So I want you to take just a moment. I'm going to pray. And I hope you've been praying. And, and I know there are some that are away. I know from last time that people give me these cards all through the week. And so um, I'm not going to be able to give you the final number today, this morning. But I, I'll do my best to get that final number to you next Sunday. I may be able to post it as well because I know others will be bringing it in and I want to give you the final number. But, but I need you to do what you are being led right now. I Really, this is in your hands. The Holy Spirit's got to talk to you. He's got to begin to give you your word. What is it that he's asking you to do? And, and you've got to give him room to move in your financial area. You can say to yourself, well, I believe I, believe I can make it work to this. Well, and that's great. And, and I need you to think in terms of reality. I don't... I don't you know, I don't need you to put down here $500,000 and you get 10 bucks in in 2009. See, see that doesn't help. That, your faith's not, they don't, you got you to be where your faith is. That's where her faith was. Where's your faith? Not just where's your faith, but are you willing to maybe say, okay, Lord, now, now it's time for me to stretch a little bit. I, b- I believe we can do something miraculous. I believe God can do something miraculous. So I'm going to pray for you right now. And um, I just want you to begin to seek the Lord right now. In fact, let's do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me just pray for you here for just a moment. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to come into this place. Lord, I want the people to be blessed. I want their lives to be enlarged. I want you to do great things in their life. And Lord, I ask you right now, and you know my heart, and Lord, I, I just did the best I knew how to share a story that I believe is true and that will work, Lord, if we step into that revelation. And so now, Spirit of God, I have to leave this in your hands. You have to move upon the hearts of people right now. Lord, speak to them right now. I know there are folks here on very limited incomes, and there's just not much they could say is left over when they look at everything that's going on in their life. And Lord, what faith looks like to them may look different than someone else who perhaps has other avenues or resources. I, I, I don't know how all that's going to work. But Lord, I know that, that you are faithful and you are true. And everybody in this room, Lord, is a unique individual, as we heard this morning testified to. Lord, everyone this morning, Lord, has needs in their life that, Lord, you are interested in and that you want to meet. And it's not just this one big need that we all have together. But Lord, somehow in the midst of all of this, as it's tied together, Lord, cause us to trust you. Cause us to to increase and be enlarged in our faith right now. Lord, I'm praying right now, I'm praying not only for our regular members and regular attenders. 
But Lord, I'm praying right now for everybody that will be under the sound of my voice. I pray for people right now, Lord, that are listening on iTunes through the internet. There are people that are listening in other nations. They're listening in, in, in all throughout this state and other states. And Lord, I'm praying for them too as they're listening. That Lord, they would not just be a, a listener alone, a hearer alone, but they would be a doer of the word. That Lord, I believe that you can do things outside of these four walls that can be just as miraculous for this need. Lord, I, I just pray right now that, that, Lord, you would be true when we say it, and we've said it so many times, God's will done God's way will never lack God's resource. For where God guides, he does provide. And, Lord, you've provided every step of the way. Lord, all the bills are paid. Everything's up to date. Lord, we have that note on the land. You know about it. I believe, Lord, your favor was there as we secured that. But Lord, I, I'm just asking you right now, we're going to need some help. Lord, getting that taken care of. Lord, I know those permits are ready to drop and happen here shortly. And I, I would love to be able to begin to clear that property for where your house will be built. And Lord, we're going to need resource to continue to do that. Lord, you see, we're, we're doing our best to care for the lambs. We want the lambs, not only the sheep, but the lambs. Lord, to be able to know that they're tended to and they're important. And so, Lord, you know the, the things that are going on in that area as well. And, Lord, all of this is need. And your word says that all of our needs are met now according to your riches, which are in Christ Jesus. Lord, right now, every need in people's lives, you say, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay my light bill. Come on now, you need to just grab a hold of that verse and say, all my needs are met now in Christ Jesus. You say, I, I don't know if I can make my car payment this month. You need to say, in the name of Jesus, all my needs are met according to his riches. Come on, break fear. Break fear. Scripture says that he's never seen the righteous begging for bread. I prophesy to you right now, you won't miss a meal. <laughs> Spirit of God, let faith arise in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Just as you continue to let him talk to you, would you just go ahead and, and begin to, to write and, and just, just put something down there as you feel led of the Lord. And I'm going to ask, as you're, you're doing that right now, I'm going to ask that the ushers are going to come forward they're going to receive these now they're going to use the offering receptacles but this this isn't an offering per se this is this is just an easy way to collect the cards of course if, if you want to stroke a check off i'll take it that way too i will but really it's for the cards so guys come on down front you have those available Amen. We'll give you just another moment or two if you're writing. But we walk by faith, not by sight. But we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. 
For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Really is true. It really is true. Amen. Baby, do you have a pen right here? Sorry, sorry. I usually have one right here in my coat. Amen. All right, guys, go ahead and wait on the folks. We'll release you to wait on the folks. Amen. And is there a... Here, Alex. Amen. And as they're waiting on you and as those are coming in, can you just slip and stand up right where you're at? And I know those, those uh, collection receptacles will be coming by as you're standing there. But here's what I want to do right now before we go. I'm going to pray specifically for those that are facing financial challenge and uh, you're just needing God to move. Maybe you just wrote something down and said, sweet Jesus, I can't believe I just wrote that down. Well, I'm going to believe God that you're going to have the faith that will arise, that will step right into that arena. But I'm going to pray. I, I, I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm praying that God blesses your household. I'm praying that you find favor wherever it is and whatever it is you do, that you find favor, that you have increase. I'm believing that. If the church is increased, the church is people. That means you must be increased. And I'm going to pray about that right now. Amen. If you, if you want that kind of prayer... And you want that kind of blessing before we go this morning. I want to pray it over you. I want you to slip out and just come on down. Come on down. And, and this is, I'm going to pray about your finances right now. I'm going to pray that you get your bills paid. That fear gets broken off your life. That with all we're doing, that God's still going to do great things in your household. That you're not going to lack. You're not going to lose. You're not going to go backwards. But come on now, you got to believe. you got to believe got to believe. I'm going to pray right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Some of you right now, you need the spirit of poverty broken off you. It's not that you lack or not that you don't have good things. I mean, as Americans, we live better than 97% of the rest of the world. But we still have the spirit of poverty on us. Poverty is not a lack of. Poverty is the fear of lack. And, and right now, it's not that you don't have anything, but you have such fear in this area that I'm telling you, you've got a poverty mentality that God cannot break through. And I, we need to break that. Let's do that right now. Everybody, right now. In the name of Jesus, lift your hands to the Lord right now. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we're just going to cover the bases right now. I break poverty. Come on, say that. I break the spirit of poverty. In the name of Jesus. No fear. No fear of lack. I believe wholeheartedly that God is my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. My provider. I believe, I believe 
that all my needs are met now according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I'm going to be fine. I'll be more than fine because I'm more than a conqueror. I'm pressing into a new faith journey. I believe resource, provision, favor is coming my way. I believe I'm being promoted. I believe even in economic drought, God can and will bless. I declare I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am blessed in my barns and in my baskets. In my coming in and in my going out. The blessing is upon me and it is overtaking me. The word says that I shall lend and not borrow. I believe God's word is true. I stand today as a declarer. A proclaimer that every need, now and in the future, God has met. By faith, God has met. In Jesus' name. And I am stepping into obedience and corresponding action. My faith is not just inside, (laughs) but it's moving to the outside. Lord, give me courage to demonstrate what you're leading me into. I trust you, Lord, explicitly for everything in my life. No fear, no going back. I'm excited about the adventure. In Jesus' name. Come on now, give him a great big hand clap and war hoop. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Come on now. Amen and amen. Come on now. Expect good things. Come on, we're going to get to next month and we're going to talk about prayer. And I already know one of the, I've already written it down. Expectation. You got to expect. Come on now. God, God moves in your expectation. You got to expect God to send a blessing. You got to expect that check in the mail. Come on, you say, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not networked so these things can happen. Come on now. God doesn't move on your network. He moves in the whole deal. Come on now. Come on, he can, he can step out of your network. Yes, he can. And get you anything you need. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would cause faith to arise, expectation to arise. I break the spirit of disappointment, Lord, that somehow it didn't work last time like folks thought it should. And then and, and they're skeptical or they're cynical. I break that in Jesus' name. Cause us to be refreshed in our perspective. Lord, to see you in a new way. To believe you in a new way. To trust you in a new way. Lord, don't let them trust me. Have them trust you. Lord, let it be so. Establish it in their heart as we go our separate ways this morning, I ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said amen again. If so be it and amen. God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. I hope to see you now. Remember, Wednesday and Thursday, church is open. I hope I see you on Wednesday night and on Thursday night prayer meeting. But God bless you. You are a blessing and you're released. Come on, give the Lord worship in the house.